Welcome to the Think MHK podcast presented by the Manhattan Area Chamber of Commerce. On this podcast, you will hear about a variety of local matters pertaining to the business community. You also hear from local business owners to hear their story and gain valuable business insights. Thanks for tuning in today. Our guest on the Think MHK podcast is a repeat guest, someone who was with us very early in our podcasting days, uh, Matt Crocker. Hey, Matt. Good afternoon. How are you, Jason? I'm great. So, uh, Matt, you're, you were with us last time because you were at the time you were chair of the economic development committee. And this time you're on because you are our reigning current C. Clyde Jones volunteer of the year. So congratulations on winning that award. Uh, Thank you. It's, it's an incredible honor. So, so let's real quick for those that don't know you or, or maybe, you know, surely everyone has listened to that episode, but maybe those that didn't listen to that episode. Um, talk about your role with uh, SPS and uh, how you ended up in Manhattan. Sure, sure. Well, I, I have a uh, used to be a couple of unique um, characteristics of myself in my my life. This is actually my third time living in Manhattan. Um, I was born here. Parents moved away. Came back for school. Left after uh, graduating K State. And my wife and I uh, went to high school in Topeka, and so we know each other. And family was here in the area, and reached out to Dennis Mullen, uh, the chairman of uh, SPS, and my boss, wanting to move back into the area. We were just had our second daughter, and I just kind of asked him about opportunities he may, might hear about, and uh, asked me to come have lunch with him and to my surprise offered me a job to come work at Steel and Pipe at the time and um, it's been uh, just a wonderful it was really comfortable for me I knew the culture of the company the people knew a little bit about the community having lived here but certainly learned a lot more about the community since coming back of course Dennis Mullen was on the on the show earlier in this season and so went into the whole reason that how yep. Steel and Pipe ended up in Manhattan which is an interesting story I'd encourage people to go back and listen to that so as we mentioned you were named uh, C. Clyde Jones Volunteer of the Year this year at our annual awards uh, banquet uh, what was your reaction to being first of all you technically you weren't supposed to know but I think you'd kind of figured it out by by the point we got to the to the uh, banquet yeah but what was your reaction I, I, well I got a out? sense that I needed to be there for some reason I didn't know exactly why but everybody kept asking me if I was going so it kind of it seemed a little strange so I, I knew something was up but didn't know the details it was incredibly humbling honored to have the opportunity to stand by um, see Clyde Jones and get a photo um, I, uh, we were talking earlier, I mentioned I was on the executive committee when Terry Hartz made the decision, uh, to name this award after C. Clyde. And so I, I just had an understanding of how important that individual was for this community. And so it was very humbling to get an award like that in his name. And of course, we only give four individual awards at the chamber every year. So that's, it's obviously an elite group of people who win those. Our producer, Dave Lewis was showing us, uh, prior to this, uh, recording, showing us his award. And I know Dave, you was something you mentioned uh, was was a special recognition that that you felt. Well, you know, there's a lot of work that goes into whatever project or effort that you're doing. You know, when you volunteer for something, it's uh, something that you put a lot of heart into. The timing of it was uh, very unique for me. I won the award in uh, 2006, and it was just after my wife passed away. And so to to have uh, that acknowledgement at that time in my life uh, meant the world to me. Still does. And it was before it was named after C. Clyde Jones, who's one of my great friends, as you know. I think C. Clyde's everybody's great friend. You know, I think you're probably right. Are you on his driver's list? Uh, I am, yes. yes. <laughs> Good. So and, I, and, I, and I try to go to, yeah, I think you mentioned his quarterly birthday parties, right. but I try to attend his semi-annual birthday parties too. So, um, so Matt, you, 
have been engaged with the chamber, obviously, for a number of years. Um, why is being involved in the chamber important to you? I think a lot of it is um, just opportunities that in the community. And, you know, there, there are a lot of opportunities to, to be involved, and I get involved in a lot of nonprofits. But um, I, the community, the strength of the community is ultimately what makes this a great place to live and for people to come to. That's why I came back. And so the chamber is a, a, a great organization to try to facilitate that. And um, I can't think of a better one. Again, there are a lot of organizations that are doing great things in the community, but I think as it relates to growth and developing jobs and um, you know just the success of the community as a whole, that's very important to me from a business perspective and um, personally. And you've been involved in a number of things. And I'm going to ask you, uh, what are some of the things at the chamber of which you're most proud? I will allow you to skip the fact that you were chairing the selection committee that that picked me to be the president. Because if you didn't say that, I would have probably been a little sad. So let's leave that out for okay, just a well, minute. I appreciate you covering me there. Uh, so other than that, what are some of the things uh, that you have been able to work on at the chamber, the least most satisfying or that you're most proud of? Yeah, oh, that's a that's a good question. Um, you know, I, I find myself being an individual that I get something done and I, I don't dwell on it and I kind of move on to the next. So it's hard for me to think back of these things. But you know, I, actually, I think one of the things that I that I helped with um, is the region reimagine, um, and, and there that was a lot of work and a lot of other people were involved in that. I didn't kick it off, but. Um, you know, it started off as the Greater Manhattan Project and Jim Gordon and actually even Kristen Brighton were involved, the chairs before me. But having the opportunity to take that work product and try to bring the community together around it. And I mean, it's a massive document. And so trying to help get a little bit more focus. We didn't get as much focus as we needed at the end of my term as chair. But I think, you know, that I still stayed engaged with that and helping with that. And again, it took a lot of other people, but that really set the path for, um, I think, where we are today as a community and some of the objectives and goals that are important for us. And in this new phase, um, I mean, I, I, I came here back to K-State, or I'm sorry, back to Manhattan because of my experience with K-State and the community back then uh, was very different than it is today. And and that project helped us recognize we needed to put some different goals ahead of us. So that, I'd say that's probably the... Well, and I remember at the time I was interviewing for the job, you were adamant that um, K-State is great and Fort Riley is great. And those have been our two economic drivers. And it was time for the private sector to catch up and for us to focus on private sector job growth. And uh, as we discussed recently in one of our economic development committee meetings, last year, 2022, the Manhattan Metro was recognized as the third leading community in country under 200,000 in terms of number of projects. And we had 11. In the previous 20 years, we'd had 17 total. So obviously, uh, something clicked there in that period. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think you, you nailed it. I mean, we, we had a three-legged stool, but one of those legs was just a little shorter. And and that was because the others were really driving the, they were the economic engine. And um, myself and some others, again, it wasn't just me, but had some foresight to see that we needed to make sure that other leg was sturdy enough to hold it up. It isn't somehow uh, saying that the other two are less important it, it, because they are extremely important. They're just, just different. It's just, they're not growing the same degree that they were previously and we and we still have to have community growth. It feels like every time we have a really difficult challenge uh, and we start thinking about putting groups together to address it that you're you always get included. So first of all, why do you think you always get included? And then second of all, why do you always say yes? I think I finally come to understand an answer for the first one. And I mentioned it the, the evening of the the recognition. SPS is is in a very fortunate position to we have a few, I, I was corrected because I said, I don't think we have any, but we do have some customers here in town and I thank those people. But 
Um, we really don't rely much on the Manhattan community from a business perspective. Um, and so what that allows us to do is really speak with our heart uh, about what we think is important for the community at large without having you know any any stake in the game, so to speak, or conflicts. And that's pretty unique in this community. And so I think that's the reason we, not just myself, but several of us at SPS get asked to get involved in difficult situations because hopefully part of it is also they think we think well and we're our, we, our compass is um, aligned appropriately. But we don't have to worry about those conflicts. And so it makes it a lot easier for us to go have those tough conversations. Um, why I keep saying yes, I haven't figured that out. Um, I have found out that, you know, when, when Wayne Sloan calls me, I start to get my antenna up and wondering what's going on. But I keep saying yes, because I know I'm fortunate to be in a position at the organization where we've got great people that I can take the time away from work to help. And it's just a little bit of paying back to the community that's been so good to me. Well, and also... You keep getting asked because you keep saying yes. I mean, that's that's the other reason. Is that, why, is that the trick? That's the other. That's the other issue I think that comes up in that as well. So you talked about some other nonprofits in which you were involved. So what what are some of those? Because I know there's a pretty big laundry list yeah. of, of groups that you get engaged with. Well, one of the benefits I've had of again working for Steel and Pipe or SPS is when, when I got here, it was really clear it was expected that you get involved in the community. Um, a lot of that was just to give back to the community, but um, I'll give Dennis a lot of credit as well, is that he recognized that it gave people in our organization an opportunity to act, you know, being on a board, you're not going to be on our board necessarily right out of the gate, but if you can go be on an organization's board, you learn how to manage, you learn how to be a leader, uh, you learn how to deal with conflict. So it, it was twofold, but the real driver was, again, giving back to the community. I got on the Boys and Girls Club um, board really early, um, ultimately became chair of that board. Great organization, still really supportive of that. Um, you know, First Tee, um, obviously the chamber, a lot of things at K-State, currently involved in home care and hospice here, Stormont Vale Foundation as well. Mercy, I've been on the Mercy Foundation. So I, I, I'm, I know I'm think, forgetting some, but I, I have done, the one thing I have been good about saying no, there have been many that have asked, I guess I can't forget the community foundation. This is my second term on the board. One thing I have I've learned is that I there are only so many things that I can do and do well. And so I have said no to being asked to be on some things and say, or not not now is probably the better way to describe that. If I can't give my full commitment to something and add value, I don't want to be involved because it's not fair to the organization. So you talked about uh, when you moved back, you had two daughters and that was part of the reason you want to move back. So what what makes Manhattan a great place to live, work and raise a family? Yeah, I think the culture of the work-life balance is a big piece. I think all of the um, employers here in town and just people in town generally um, really want to be in Manhattan because of the balance. The community is large enough to provide um, some amenities. Um, there are a few things that have closed or gone away that I miss, and hopefully we can get something similar back. But involvement and activities, um, again, just the if I were, as I mentioned, I was from Chicago, I wouldn't have had the opportunity to work with so many great organizations that I just mentioned if I were in Chicago, right? I mean, you just you just don't get those opportunities in big cities like that. And, and, and so it's all of that. And, um, you know, for us, it was also getting closer to family. And I think there's a lot of people that come to Manhattan and stay in the area because their family's close and uh, like the Midwest culture. But I, I came for my reason. Many people come for other reasons. And, and, and I just want to make sure people have a reason to come to Manhattan. And your kids are 383 kids, yep. right? I yep. mean, they, they, you, the good school systems and good and school system. Um, yeah, it's just a lot of great things here in Manhattan. Of course, the other thing that you and I have in common is 
I have a son that, that's an OU grad. You have a daughter that's at OU and another one on her way to OU, right? Yeah, I know that hurts yeah. Dave to hear those yeah. hear, hear those kind of things, but uh, but what is it about OU that all of a sudden now I'm you know we're from Oklahoma, so it makes sense that my son would go there. But what has attracted your daughters to Oklahoma? Well, I, I think really what attracted my daughters is that um, original my my oldest daughter uh, Madeline she. She wanted to go away. I think she knew she wanted to go away. And, and, and quite frankly, when people ask me about it, um, I'm actually a third generation K-Stater. Yeah, so it's yeah. a little bit of a struggle for me. Maybe, maybe uh, her son will stay. And, but and your wife's KU, right? Yeah, she's a KU grad. Yeah. So I felt it was important that they go away, um, experience, you know, kind of grow up, so to speak. And so we looked at some places and OU was far enough away, but close enough and good school. And um, so my oldest daughter picked that. And I think our middle daughter, um, we looked at some other places, but she felt comfortable with it as well. So And we'll get them back, right? Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I, even though it's school here, but I left for a while and came back and a lot of people do. So and I think Jack, Jack will be a K-State, your youngest K-State. I'm not sure think? what Jack's going to do. So I don't, I don't want to speak for him. He's... Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's it's uh we you know, we we have kids similar age. I yep. can I can definitely understand that. So and we've talked about this with Dennis and maybe even you before, but SPS could move their headquarters anywhere. There's nothing particular about Manhattan that necessarily makes this the perfect place for SPS to have their headquarters. Why do you all choose to keep it here? The success of the company has really been driven a lot on acquisition. So when we look at acquisition of other businesses, the people are really the asset that you want. And, and I think the same is said here is that we we could move, especially after COVID and work from home, right? People can can be anywhere, but it's important for our business to have the right people. And those people are here. And if we move the office, the people, a lot of the people wouldn't go with us. We've attracted people to Manhattan because of the wonderful things I talked about with the community. And so that's what makes our company culture what it is and uh so that, that's really the glue that keeps us here it's the people and the culture so there's no real business reason why we have to be in manhattan kansas we well, want, i mean you've been we want to be here. however long i mean it, yeah but we want to be here and we appreciate the fact that you are now we're going to go to the rapid fire and this is something i don't think you did last time. i don't think i did either this is new what movie have you seen the most times um the one i have seen the most times is uh national treasure and the reason for that is my wife, anytime it's on TV, my wife stop, stops and watches it and my kids are in that too. So that's been more of uh, their choice than mine, but it, it's a good movie. I don't, I don't mind it, but when um, that's an easy one. Right after I'd seen National Treasure, I was in Washington, D.C. and we stopped at the archives and I made some reference to the movie and the security person rolled her eyes and went, you know, you could tell they've heard it a million times at that point. So yep. my advice is don't quote National Treasure when you go to their archives. <laughs> okay. If you could only watch one movie or television show for the rest of your life, what would it be? And that can't be National Treasure. It's yeah. Well, actually else. it's interesting because it's, it's kind of similar to it, I guess, but um, I'm a big Indiana Jones fan. I'm looking oh, okay. forward to the new one coming out. And so the original Indiana Jones uh, movie is, is one I'd probably watch over and over again. What job did you want when you were a kid? Well, anything that would get me out of the lawn mowing business because that's what I started with. But no, I, I think when I was a kid, um, I enjoyed like property management and development. And so I, I wanted to be a real estate developer and build stuff. And uh, I still to this day kind of think back and if I were able to go back to school and start over again, I might think about a career that gives me a little bit more into that. That's what I always want to do. I wanted to build stuff because I, I, I was big with Legos. I love Legos. So you're you're pretty famous for starting projects and, you know, just finding... <laughs> well, I Finding, I'm not, something, finding something to constantly do like that, yeah, right? That's I guess what I am. I've been told. Yeah, I am pretty good about that. So is that so you've just kind of taken that to your yeah, personal life? Right. Yeah. I've I've heard I've heard some good stories about that. All right. So 
What was your first job? You talked about lawn mowing, Yeah, right? so my first job was, was we had a neighbor when I was growing up in Topeka. He owned a um, strip center in town. And so he hired me to, every Saturday morning to go up and walk around the strip center and pick up the trash. So it wasn't, wasn't real technically difficult, but I had to get up every Saturday morning and and, uh, and my dad would take me up there and drop me off. And I'd just walk around the parking lot and pick up trash. Uh, what skill would you most like to learn? And I have no aptitude for this, but I would love to be able to play the piano or some instrument. I just, that's just an area that I, I just don't have and just be nice to be able yeah. to sit down and play a piano. Me too. My mother's really good at it. Uh, what is the one thing that instantly makes your day better? Sunshine. If it's a sunny day, it's going to be a great day. Explain an inside joke that you have with a friend or family member. Well, I have a nickname that I, I got several from our friends and my, my kids. Um, so we, we traveled to Mexico quite a bit um, as a friend's, friend's group and then also with my, my kids. And I could speak a little bit of Spanish, but not much. And so my wife always made fun of me because I'd try to put an, I think she said, you think Spanish means you just put an O on everything and it becomes a Spanish word. And so, so my nickname has become Mateo. These are always really interesting answers, but what is the most ridiculous thing you believed as a child? Uh, when I was, I, I think it was about five, um, I actually lived in Lawrence at the time. Um, I always wanted to ice skate and I had watched the, I don't know if it was the Olympics or something. I just remember watching some ice skaters on TV and my dad took me to uh, the city park. They used to flood a little pond area, make an ice skating rink out of it and said, okay, well, let me show you how to do it. And I said, well, no, dad, I've watched it on TV. I've got this figured out. And I kept arguing with my father. And so I, I was convinced that I knew how to ice skate. And so he took, took me out there and it was a great learning experience for me. You did not know how to ice skate. No. I got you. Okay. <laughs> Do you prefer working remotely or in the office? Uh, in the office. I um, I actually, I um, came in all through COVID. I just I have to, yeah. part of it's routine, but it just feels like I need to do that for forever. Part of it was because our business, a lot of the people couldn't work from home and being a leader, I felt like I needed to lead from the office. What advice would you give the 19-year-old Matt Crocker? I would say figure out what you enjoy and what you like to learn about and get really involved in that. You know, I think too much when I think about education, I think too many people try to focus on the end goal and don't internalize what it is for them. And I, I talk to people at K-State, I say, figure out how you learn and find a job that puts you in an environment like that. And it doesn't necessarily mean, need to be an exact skill or capability. It's, it's learning. I mean, that's what life's all about. And if you can continue to learn, you continue to succeed. And so I would, I guess I'd go back. It took me a long time to figure that out. I've been fortunate to be in roles that I think I can do that, but That'd probably be the advice I'd go back and tell my 19-year-old self. Well, Matt, congratulations on winning this year's C. Clyde Jones Volunteer of the Year. It was certainly an honor well-deserved, and I think I speak for myself and the rest of our team when we say thank you for all you've done for us over the last several years and the hard work you've put into the chamber, and thank you for agreeing to come on again to the Think MHK podcast. Well, it's great to be here, and thank you very much. And that award's reflective of a lot of people and not just myself, but it's quite an honor. Thanks for listening to this episode of Think MHK, a podcast produced by the Manhattan Area Chamber of Commerce. If you enjoyed the Think MHK podcast, we'd love for you to subscribe and share it out on your social media channels. Feel free to reach out to us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at the Manhattan Area Chamber of Commerce.